Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Jalissa Wilson from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview. Thank you so much for that introduction, Dr. Pritt. Today, we'll be discussing a new methodology for multiple sclerosis, which is the kappa-free light change testing. But before we get into that, I'm so excited to have Dr. Maria Rilrich with us today. Before we get started, Dr. Rilrich, can you give us a quick introduction of yourself and your role here at Mayo Clinic? Hi, Julissa. It's a pleasure to be here today. I am Dr. Maria Wilrich. I'm an associate professor of laboratory medicine and pathology at Mayo Clinic. I am one of the laboratory directors for the protein immunology laboratory, where several tests for multiple sclerosis are performed. I have been here since 2012 and since 2014, a lab director. Wow, that is so amazing. So can you give us a little bit of background about what kappa-free light change testing is and the importance of the multiple sclerosis testing for this? So multiple sclerosis is often referred to as MS, and it is an immune-mediated process. And despite significant efforts for several decades, we still don't have a single antigenic target found for this disease to date. The diagnosis then is a combination of clinical presentation, imaging studies, and laboratory studies. Of these laboratory studies, the most sensitive test is a test that is also decades old, and it's a very manual test called oligoclonal banding. This test looks for unique IgG antibodies in cerebrospinal fluid, or CSF. And these IgG antibodies are not present in serum. So this finding, these unique bands present in CSF, suggests that there is intrathecal or local synthesis of IgGs in CSF, which is a finding present in about 80 to 90% of patients with MS. These unique bands, they can also be found in 5 to 8% of healthy non-MS individuals, patients that do not have MS. So laboratories have been trying to look for an alternative, better marker for multiple sclerosis for a long time, since testing for legal clonal banding is very manual and labor-intensive and requires specialized lab instruments and lab expertise. So to enter in the kappa-free lightings and how they came to be a marker in multiple sclerosis. So first of all, immunoglobulins are composed by two identical heavy chains and two identical light chains. The light chains can be kappa or lambda isotypes, and kappa is the most common isotype, and it's about two-thirds of all the immunoglobulins light chains. Measurement of free light chains in serum is common when we are talking about multiple myeloma or a cancer for the plasma cells. This measurement is used to aid in the diagnosis, prognosis, and monitoring of patients with multiple myeloma and other plasma cell disorders. So hundreds of laboratories can perform measurement of free light chains in serum samples. And what we found is that there was another potential role for free light chains in multiple sclerosis if we could measure kappa free light chains in CSF. So a longer background here, but studies started to surface back in 2008, showing that measurement of kappa free light chains in CSF was comparable to the older test, oligoclonal banding. 
So to investigate that possibility, in 2018, we did a proof of concept study with 325 individuals, and they all had both tests done, oligoclonal banding and measurement of kappa in CSF. And we found very favorable results for kappa-free lichens in CSF, and they showed to be slightly more sensitive than oligoclonal banding for the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis in that cohort. Then in 2021, we decided to take a much larger study on, and we studied over 1,300 individuals. In that larger study, we confirmed the 2018 findings for kappa-free lichens and proved that it could be a valid alternative to oligoclonal banding with significant advantages to the performing lab. It's an automated assay, more cost-effective and simpler to perform, and it was providing equivalent results. So that's more or less the background for you. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Real Rich. And so when it comes to, we actually have a new paper that has been you know, released about yeah. kappa-free light change. So can you give us a brief discussion about what this publication means and what it means to patients and physicians as a whole? So the publication with the 1300 individuals, we found out what is the best performance of kappa-free light chains as a test and how it compares to the two unique bands that are found in positive oligoclonal banding cases for multiple sclerosis. So we compared the two tests head to head in a cohort of about 700 individuals. We found that they were equivalent and then we used the other 700 or 650 individuals in a prospective cohort to validate that cutoff. So in the first part of the study, we proved that that cutoff, what was that cutoff and how it worked. And the second part, we validated that cutoff of 0.1 milligrams per deciliter for kappa-free lichings being equivalent to the finding of two or more unique bands for oligoclonal banding. Wow, that's amazing. So when it comes to these methods, what should you tell physicians, you know, why we should use kappa-free light chains other than those other methods. So we can get them to see that the kappa-free light chains is better and it comes out with better results since there is no human error and it's better cost and it'll just give a better perspective for those patients if they have possible multiple sclerosis. Well, kappa measurement in CSF is relatively new. And as I mentioned before, there are different studies that have been published and several groups were trying to decide what's the best medical decision point for optimal performance of the test. So based on our study, we identified what's the optimal performance of the test in a very large United States-based population. And as you already mentioned, the approach is cost-effective and provides a faster answer to clinicians and patients trying to rule in or rule out multiple sclerosis. I wanted to mention something too. So this approach is slightly different from the more traditionally used methods. And another well-known test that neurologists and general practitioners will know is the CSF IgG index. So in our studies, there was not a single case where CSF IgG index was positive that kappa or oligoclonal banding had missed or you know, were negative. So in other words, the IgG index test did not add value to the diagnosis of MS compared to these other tests. So we didn't add it to this new version of the panel. The CSF IgG index remains available as a standalone test for other indications, but it's not part of the multiple sclerosis profile. 
the way this new test works, it starts with a single measurement of kappa in CSF. And when results are negative, no further testing is performed, results are reported, and there is a very low suspicion of multiple sclerosis. We see that to be the case in about 70% of the samples we test. In the other 30% of the samples we test, the results for kappa are borderline or positive, and then they all reflex to the more widely known oligoclonal banding test. An interpretation common with both test results goes out, helping the clinicians understand the findings. Wow, that's really amazing to know that. So when it comes to this new approach, can you tell me about how does this really impact the patients? You know, we know how it should impact the physicians with this new test, but how does this really impact the patients knowing about this new testing versus the old testing? Thanks, Jalisa. So only about 100 laboratories in the country offer oligoclonal banding tests because it's very complex and manual. So hopefully the MSP3 and Kappa especially is able to provide a faster answer for patients that are waiting on a diagnosis for multiple sclerosis of multiple sclerosis. And MSP3 can be used as that first layer of testing then. Um, so we start with this most sensitive test, the Kappa free light chains in CSF, and the test reflexes to the more specific oligoclonal banding test whenever the Kappa first result is borderline or positive. I should mention that as of today, oligoclonal banding is still the only test described in the McDonald diagnostic criteria for multiple sclerosis. And we feel strongly that it should be performed when necessary. There is a group of scientists led by the University of Innsbruck that are driving efforts to include this new test, the Kappa CSF, in the diagnostic criteria for MS in the future as a recognized alternative. And I do believe that that will also benefit patients uh, by having alternative markers available in their diagnostic criteria for MS. Thanks so much for that information. Dr. Rilrich, can you tell me what does this mean for the patients? The results for this test, you can read them like this, more or less. The MSP3 test starts with the Kappa measurement in CSF, and a negative result suggests there is a low likelihood for multiple sclerosis. A borderline or positive Kappa result, when followed by the reflex testing, the oligoclonal banding test result, and that one is positive as well, that combination of test results is associated with a multiple sclerosis diagnosis. No test is perfect though, and we know unique CSF IgGs or elevated Kappa may also be found in patients with other neurologic diseases, including infectious, inflammatory, cerebrovascular, and perineoplastic disorders. Clinical correlation is always necessary for a diagnosis. And then if you have other combinations of test results, for instance, a borderline or positive kappa, and then that's followed by a negative oligoclonal banding test result, this may suggest another autoimmune central nervous system process or it may reflect the higher sensitivity of the Kappa first test result. In these rare scenarios, the clinical presentation and additional tests are necessary for a final diagnosis. And at last but not least, the multiple sclerosis profile is not meant to be interpreted in isolation. As I said in my opening statement, there is no single antigenic target for multiple sclerosis identified yet. 
Laboratory tests are only one part of the diagnostic criteria for multiple sclerosis, and clinical and imaging studies are the other two components as important as the lab part for diagnosis. That's great. Thank you for letting me know about that. And so my last question for you is, with you being one of the authors for this publication, can you tell me what this publication means to you and what it should mean to everyone else? What it means to me, it was a big effort from a large group of researchers, a large collaboration that we did here at Mayo Clinic, uh, neurologists, neuroimmunology lab directors, protein immunology lab directors. So we learned a lot in the process. I believe in this approach because it provides an objective quantitative test result. And I strongly think that it translates in a significant quality improvement over manual testing in the lab. This benefit, you know, the value of better testing is translated into better answers from the lab to providers and to patients, to all clients of the laboratory. Wow, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Dr. Real Rich. I've learned a lot today and I thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.